What's up, guys, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct, presented by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, here in the studio at Sensibly Loud HQ with JB. Jason, what's going on, man? J-Mac, we're back on another week of PC. It's been, what a ride. I mean, last time we talked, I'm crowning the Milwaukee Bucks, and then I wake up this morning, and they've lost four straight. Sure did. It was pretty I, ugly. I, it was brutal. Yeah. I, think I feel this... like Max Kellerman. <laughs> Yeah, you're not as nearly as bad as that guy. Not in a billion years. That guy's the worst. He, well, I don't know. He's, I think that he does it intentionally a lot of times, though, right? Of just shooting himself in the foot to take the contrarian side to make it look like he's the the villain. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he's basically an actor. Yeah. I mean, if you, most of these like talk show guys are they get to a level where they're paid so much money to say certain things that they're it's not even their opinions anymore. It's you know, whatever guy's telling them what to say, where it almost feels like a complete acting job. But I, I could be wrong, but that's kind of what I see sometimes from from these midday hosts. The good the good news is we'll bring this full circle here in a little bit when we talk about fuckface Chris Broussard. So that'll be good. That'll, oh, that'll come yeah. tie it back around because we've got he had a hell of he had himself a hell of a week. Did you know he's best friends with Babe Ruth? They text like three <laughs> to four hours a day. Apparently. I didn't even know that. I, it was unbelievable. They just can't keep track of which medium it's on. That's the problem. You know, it's it's all very yeah, confusing. I mean, but he said he's talked to him through. Uh, unbelievable. Great guy. Great yeah. guy. Yeah, we'll talk about it, though. It's, it's definitely good stuff. But I think this is going to be a very NBA-centric episode, just given that that's a big part of what's going on. The NHL play uh, finals, don't the Stanley Cup, uh, game doesn't even start till tomorrow night. We're recording this on Sunday, so you know the Blues beat the Dallas Stars. So I guess if you're going to lose in the playoffs, it never hurts to lose to the team that wins it all. You kind of feel, don't you have to feel a little bit better about it if that's the case? You have. Like, to. Well, I lost to the champions, so I mean, what what else could you have asked for? I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess that means you have to go go you know against me. Is that what we got going on here? Well, not really, but on, honestly, I feel pretty confident as well about the Bruins because I don't think the Stars were that great of a team, and they had a 3-2 lead on the Blues, for goodness sake. So, I mean, you got to feel pretty good as a Bruins fan going, hey, you know, we should be able to go ahead and take care of this team. And, you know, the Sharks had a few injuries in that series that really derailed them uh, in the later half, especially in Game 6. So, um, I, I think Boston should be in a pretty good spot moving forward here as long as they can keep everyone healthy. Oh, yeah, I'm not concerned about it at all. And that was always been my feeling throughout this whole thing is I wasn't concerned about it because I, I just feel like the Bruins caught fire at the right time and they've just been riding that wave. It's going to be really interesting, I think, to the point that you've made a couple of times on the show so far to see how they look after a lot of rest. I really just yeah. hope that doesn't throw them out of their groove. I think it's going to be a good thing for this team. They're pretty banged up kind of getting out of the semifinals. So I feel like this is going to help them. Yeah, they're a very physical team. You know, that's kind of when they're at their best when they're hitting guys. Uh, you know, there's some more finesse NHL teams. That's not Boston. So, to your point, I think it may help them to rest some guys up. And the Blues did have a very long layoff as well. So, you know, this isn't going from a team that's had a week off to a team that suddenly has, you know, one day off. So, it's a little bit more even of the playing field, I think, being that both teams have had I, – I, Almost the Blues have had nearly a week, so yeah. you're looking at a more level playing field. Neither team should be coming off, you know, that high from winning the the conference finals. So it'll be interesting. I'm excited. Really threw the brakes on there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, they had to make sure they dragged it out till June. They're like, we can't yeah. end before June. This is madness. I mean, that's also happening in the NBA right now, where we have to wait another week until the finals even start. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it's absolutely absurd. And, you know, except if you're a Golden State Warriors fan, I mean, it's probably the first time in your life you're excited for this long break between the series because, uh, as you mentioned on the last podcast, they've been having, you know, Kevin Durant do some light work, but obviously DeMarcus Cousins, who looks to be trending towards a positive light and possibly playing. Is that still the case? Uh, we'll talk about the Warriors here in a couple of minutes. I wanna, okay. I don't want to dive too deep into that yet because I think there's – there's a lot to look at with that whole package, and I think there's some short-sightedness going on that we'll get to. So let's okay. talk Eastern Conference first, and then we'll make our way west because that's going to be the bulk of our conversation, I think. Sure. So last we left off, I think we had said that we had Milwaukee up 2 nothing in that series, right? Yep. 
and they came back, or Toronto came back and won four straight. Milwaukee absolutely ran out of gas in this series. No doubt about it. And they just didn't, once Toronto figured them out defensively, they just did not have an answer. They really didn't. And people like Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton, just really traditionally streaky players, showed up to be streaky at the wrong time. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Certainly some guys played kind of their worst couple games for them. And while I do love Giannis, I think he's a great young player, I am very much on the narrative after this series that there is no way you can give him the MVP. And when you're looking at the playoffs, the playoffs have a way of exposing the maybe a weakness of superstars that aren't normally exposed and just every day when you're playing a different team. And I think that's exactly what we saw with Leonard shutting him down. They figured out, I mean, Giannis looked awful, the, especially these last two games, forcing up everything. Tell me one time in game five and six where Giannis really got off his shot. I don't remember that. I yeah. mean, he couldn't do a darn thing. And yes, he had a great regular season. He's still a great player. He's going to have a fantastic career. And this is going to be a huge learning opportunity for the young man. But there has not been a player more exposed in the playoffs in the last couple of years than I think Giannis, who got completely exposed by a great player in Kawhi Leonard and what's trending to be a pretty good team in Toronto, I guess. Well, and the thing about it was he was double teamed almost the entire time and he was right. having to kick out constantly to role players that just couldn't get the job done. And ultimately that Milwaukee team was crafted in a very specific way. That's a very janky Milwaukee team, if you really look at it. it. We talked about it on the last show a little bit. It's exactly what the 2011 Mavs looked like in a whole lot of ways. You had one yeah. big superstar and a lot of role players that know their place and know what is supposed to happen. The problem with that ends up being, look at Golden State in comparison, they know how to adjust and kick the ball out to somebody else who can maybe get going in a different way like Steph or Clay or Katie or Draymond, and the list goes on and on. But that's the difference here is, and, th and this is exactly why this series ended up the way it did, is because there wasn't any, anything, any other place to go. There, you can only adjust the game plan so much. So whenever, whenever you're dealing with Giannis, who's completely shut down, like you don't really have a whole lot of else in your bag. And you got to hope that everything else works out great. Yeah, I would agree, and I did expect some more offense from guys like Chris Middleton. You know, Lopez looked a little hesitant sometimes shooting the open three. Uh, it, you could tell their confidence was rattled after those two straight losses, and especially after game five. I mean, they just looked like a shell of themselves. Um, it was, I thought the one player that could have seen more time, and I, I was interested on in your thoughts, was George Hill. I felt like he brought kind of that stability. He can hit that open shot. He, he's a he's a great veteran. He's played on you know teams with LeBron and other superstars. I felt like he was a guy that should have seen more minutes, and for whatever reason, it felt like they'd only go to him after they would you know be down fifteen or twenty. They'd have a 10-0 run go against him, and then they'd bring on George Hill. He kind of helped bring him back, and then they take him back out. Any, any thoughts there? I just feel like it's a hard thing to get him into the lineup when you've got Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam up there on the, you know, down low and everything. It just it it makes it really hard to be defensive, and he's not a great defender overall. And I feel yeah. like that's probably the biggest liability there, and what kind of eliminated him out of this series because they used him a lot in the previous series before, right? And it worked well, but the that those were very specific matchups. Yeah, and that was the tough part is seeing that. And, yeah, Siakam, really, you talk about a guy who did a complete 180 in that series. Going from game one, looked a little lost on both sides of the, the you know, offense and defense. I think he ended it these last four games just, you know, better than anyone else except Kawhi, obviously. But uh, this team's really come together. I feel great for Kyle Lowry. I mean, that guy's been through a lot with this franchise. You know, there's been those expectations the whole time that he's been there with DeRozan. So it's exciting to see that fan base get what they've wanted and maybe deserve some of these years, you know, not being able to get through LeBron and other teams in the East. So I'm, let's do a quick, fun exercise for a second. 
So okay. I'll, I'll tell you what this what spawned on this. So it was that picture that came out. I I put it out on my Twitter account the other day, and I'll retweet it from the main account later on so people know it's there. But it's essentially a picture of Draymond next to Shaq as Shaq is dribbling up, and it's just photoshopped together of just the size difference. And you, what did you think of this picture to start? I mean, it almost did look photoshopped in a way, not just to put the two guys together, but that there's no way Draymond was. I mean, because Draymond looks pretty big in today's NBA. He does, but he weighs like 245 right now. Cool. Shaq um, weighed easily 100 more pounds than that. Man, I, I mean, Shaq's just such a rare bird. But yeah, I mean, shocking picture. You'd go, there's no way Draymond would have a hope. <laughs> Or prayer in guarding the big diesel. I mean, no shot. No, no, none whatsoever. I drew a lot of people off sides with that thing because I put I put it out and said, who wins this matchup? Just like I did to you. And so many people started going in on it being like, oh, it's Shaq easily. And I'm like, it's a joke, dude. Obviously, it's Shaq. <laughs> the guy is enormous. Um, so here's the exercise. If you take Shaq and say he just, we somehow figure out a way for him to sign with the Bucks. When they ever, whenever they were up, let's say whenever they were, the series was 2-1, whenever Toronto was making a comeback or starting okay. to mount their comeback, you put Shaq on that team. They come out of that series no problem, obviously, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at what Shaq did when he went to Miami with D-Wade. I mean, yeah. no, so for sure. at the later point of his career, he was still, I mean, a matchup nightmare every time. No, well, right, and I mean, I think that picture alone goes to prove that you know it's kind of hard to find anybody in the league because Draymond's one of the bigger guys in the league not the not in that real top tier you know big yeah. guy, big man but bigger guys for sure and it's not it's like a hundred pounds minimum off but what happens in the next round in that case do they does that Milwaukee team beat Golden State and let's say Kevin Durant's back I I can't see that I mean I just don't see how anyone can really touch if KD is back with the Warriors, that that lineup, I mean, it, and we talked a little bit about this when previewing the finals is just how these two teams from the East would match up. And neither one, especially Milwaukee, seemed to really match up that way. I mean, like Brooke Lopez, uh, I mean, who it just it didn't feel like they fit versus that team. I mean, Giannis, I guess, on Draymond. I mean, it was just weird matchups across the board. I mean. It's hard to say with the NBA so different if sh what Shaq would change yeah. with that. Man, would it be fun. But, I mean, <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to see Shaq, a Shaq type, in the league again. At, at this current rate, in this era of basketball, I'm not sure we see another guy like that. It's just a different league now. So, it's it, like you were saying, it's apples and oranges comparisons. I right. don't know, though, man. I think that if you almost take Kawhi Leonard out of the, the equation in a lot of ways there, though, when it comes to whenever you're playing them versus Toronto. Because like if you think about the fact that you have Giannis there to create, or he's not great at creating, but he's great at you know making sure facilitation happens properly. Right. And if you have Kawhi dealing with Shaq, you get Giannis going. And I think when Giannis goes, the rest of the role players go. I think it changes things a little bit. It, all that being said, Golden State in five. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's just so tough to defend that team. And uh, when you're looking at how Toronto's going to match up there, you know, Draymond, I, I do believe, is a top-tier defender. And I'm going to be interested to see how him and Kawhi go at each other. Because I, I do think Draymond, whether you want to say it or not, that guy has a way to frustrate the crap out of people uh, when he's on defense with them. And I, I think at some point he could get in Leonard's head, but God, man, Kawhi does look pretty locked in too. And so, I mean, if Kawhi's going to be able to go out there and do triple doubles every night and facilitate that way, as we've seen guys like LeBron do when they go on these runs, it could be an interesting series. Okay, so let's talk West Coast then, and then our Western Conference Finals, and then what we'll do is we'll come together and make predictions for the finals, and then okay. we'll talk a little free agency. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So on the West Coast side of things, I think the last we talked, Golden State was up three nothing on Portland, right? Yeah, we were right at that point where we're certainly trending in the wrong direction for Portland. So what do you think of Portland getting swept out of that series? What do you think? I mean, they had 
double-digit leads and blew them almost every game. So it's not like it was an easy series for Golden State, but it was an easy series for Golden State. Yeah, I mean, just it was so tough to watch Lillard, and I, I think Golden State knew that Lillard was hurt, obviously, when that report came out. They were able to take on weather the storm. All right, show me what you got. And then Portland really didn't have an answer. You know, they didn't have that second punch to throw. Um, and Golden State just makes everything look so effortless. And it's just fun basketball again. They're, they're doubling Steph. Steph's dishing out. Clay stepped up. Iguodala's, you know, playing his role. I mean, that team, that core's been together now for so many years that they just know how to win without other guys. And, I mean, I, I didn't think Portland was getting out of the first round versus Oklahoma City first off so for them to get there versus the Warriors you knew it was maybe going five games at best so I just wasn't ever concerned about this series going past you know game five at Oracle Arena you got to be pretty pissed if you're a Denver fan the way that all worked out right uh yeah I mean you gotta uh, Denver was horrendous in these playoffs it seemed I mean with every with everyone trying to compete with Golden State in the West it seems like everyone's doing a pretty horrible job <laughs> trying to match up and go. I mean, I know that's an impossible task with the current roster of Golden State, but I mean, it doesn't really seem like anyone's even close in the West in the next year or two of sniffing that they could possibly beat Golden State. I've got a couple moves that we'll talk about that that uh, could change that, but we'll, we'll, we'll chat about oh. that in a second. What do you think about them extending Terry Stotts? Was that a good move? I didn't love some of the coaching in that series, to be real honest with you. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't know how you don't extend them. Maybe that's a better way to put it. I mean, you got there. What else can you expect? I mean, the franchise, I mean, when LaMarcus Aldridge left, everyone was, I mean, you're kind of looking at it going, God, this team may be bad for a while. Yeah. Obviously, they lucked out, took two, you know, uh, senior college kids, it panned out extremely well for the franchise. But, I mean, what else can you really ask? I, I mean, realistically, I get everyone's goals to win a championship. But when you realistically look at Portland coming into the season, you're probably saying, if we reach the Western Conference Finals, that's probably the pinnacle of our season. Yeah. So, especially with Nurkic being hurt. I think that's oh, a big factor. Abs- exactly. I mean, that's a huge injury. Yeah. A huge injury. So, let me ask you this. Going forward, do they just run that back again? Because that's not working there. But what what else would you do? I mean, you're not going to trade Damian Lillard or CJ. So I think that I you mean, consider trading CJ McCollum. For I, what? Well, I think you have to start looking at what this thing is going to be. And I mean, if it's just not good enough to get you out of the Western Conference, then it doesn't matter. Now, of course, you're coming along at a very unfortunate time where you're up against one of the most dominant teams of all time, if not the most dominant team of all time. So, I mean, there is that factor too, but, I mean, ultimately, it just doesn't work. So, you have pieces right now that could potentially help you, and I think there's going to be a big free agent class out there that's going to help build some pieces around Nurkic and, and Dame and all that, because the other thing about it is you're about to give Dame a Supermax deal, because I, yep. I don't see how you don't. You got to pay the guy, and that's going to be like forty to fifty percent of their payroll. So you've got to do what you can, role wise. I mean, you just start running out of money at some point, and they're already over the luxury tax. And they have, I mean, Paul Allen just died not long ago, so they're going to be looking for new ownership, and you know who knows what that's going to look like. I mean, that's that's another thing. So I just feel like as like if you look at the realistic possibility of what things look like in Portland right now. I just don't think you can keep running it back. Yeah, and I get I get the point. You're saying, hey, we got some good pieces here. Let's try to retool it to a way that's going to be more successful. Um, but, I mean, if you have that mindset with every team in the West, I mean, it's going to be kind of tough sledding because there is not a lot of teams that are within spitting distance even of, you know, where you could say you're one player away from being on that Golden State level. Now, if you told me Kawhi went to, you know, Portland next year, I'd say, hey, this, this is an exciting group. I mean, that's an exciting one through three. You get some guys back healthy. I, I mean, let's say Kevin Durant hypothetically maybe leaves. I mean, I, I don't know. 
that what that looks like, but I'm not completely blowing it all up just because I couldn't get past Golden State this year. And the biggest, again, the biggest domino that has to fall in the NBA this year or this offseason is Kevin Durant. Because I'll agree with you, if Kevin Durant re-signs in Golden State for, let's say, two years, then I would agree with you. Portland needs to look at going, all right, we know we're not winning it for the next two years. Let's let's retool. But if Durant decides to go elsewhere, that opens everything up. So that's an interesting topic that we'll get to in a second because I, he's definitely going to be the most sought after and talked about free agent. But Kawhi is too, and that that's another thing. So we'll we'll get to that in a second. Would you not tr- like think about this? If you did C.J. McCollum for Aaron Gordon, that would make that would open things up on on the Trailblazers in a much more dynamic way. And the money There's would work. No way Portland would do that deal for Eric Gordon. Aaron Gordon. Oh, I thought you said Eric Gordon from Houston, and I oh, was like, no. uh, I'm, I'm going to say no to that one. That'd be interesting. I mean, I, I did like Aaron Gordon coming out of college, really athletic kid, fits today's NBA. I think he's been a little lost in Orlando, uh, improved a little bit. Um, that'd be an interesting one. That yeah. would I, I would be intrigued to see how that would how him and Lillard could play off each other. I mean, don't you feel like if if you could make that work and facilitate that? And I'd have to look and see exact. The money would be close. They're probably about the same type of player as far as pay goes, but I would. I would think that that would give you a more dynamic and exciting lineup to try to run it back against some pretty good teams in the West, no matter what happens. And I mean, we're going to have a lot of teams on the come up too, that like the Clippers, which we'll get to in a few minutes because, and more teams like that to compete against. And I mean, we don't know what the Lakers are going to do. I don't, we'll get there too, but uh, there's just a lot of possibilities, I think. And I just feel like the Trailblazers are one of those that they've tried this a lot of times, and it just hasn't gotten them where they want to go. And they are a small market team on top of that, so you've got to get creative when the time is right. And you don't also don't want to waste the primes of somebody like Dame. No, I, I completely agree, and folks do forget that Damian Lillard is not a kid that came into the NBA draft at 19. Uh, I think he did stay for all four years of college, so... No, this isn't a kid who's, you know, 22, 23. I believe he's at his 26 or 27. Uh, I could be making that up. You know, he, he is, as you're mentioning, right in his prime years um, and being able to try to take advantage of that as much as possible and obviously getting healthy over the offseason is going to be key for him. Um, so there's going to be a lot of dominoes that are going to fall, but it's an interesting debate. I'd completely agree with you on that front. All right, so... On the bigger picture of Golden State things to talk about here, I guess we just jump in with this KD stuff. Where, Where's your head at on this so far? Yeah, KD's an interesting character to me. I mean, obviously, we've seen him, I think, handle everything wrong in the media, starting back to, you know, his, you know, Players' Tribune article going to Golden State and his, you know, so-called burner accounts on Twitter and now we've had this Chris Broussard and all of, you know, this drama going on about them debating if they're friends or not. And it's just become almost childish. So who knows what's going on between these two. But I just it doesn't make sense to me that KD wants to come back. I mean, it this really feels like the LeBron to Miami situation where he went there to get his rings, get that, you know, whatever for reason that he needed those rings and now he's ready to move on to do his own thing and especially seeing the success they've had and if he does sit out in the finals and golden state wins i mean he's not going to feel wanted and he does want to feel wanted katie loves the attention i mean so I, I i'm not sold on him being you know going back to golden state I don't know that he does love the attention. And I think that was something that he was looking for in free agency originally was that he wanted to just go somewhere where he could play pretty basketball, essentially. And that's what they do. They play the most beautiful basketball yeah. in existence. That team is amazing that way. And I think that I think all these assumptions are made that he's not happy all the time, but and that they have all this salt going on in the locker room and all this. And, you know, there have been instances of that. But you're going to have that on a team of superstars. I mean, I think that's there's not a, any doubt about that in my mind. But 
if you look at what happened the other day on Twitter with Chris Broussard, and, and for those that aren't familiar with it, Chris Broussard is a beat reporter FS1, right? Fox Sports or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And he this guy's an absolute idiot. I've never known anybody that gets things wrong more often than Chris Broussard. I mean, he is the absolute pinnacle <laughs> of fucking ridiculousness. Yes. And he basically was saying that, you know, KD wants to leave and, you know, kind of going into all this thing that KD told him that that's what he wants to do. And honestly, I don't I really don't feel like, man, that KD has made up his mind of what he's going to do yet. No, I really don't think that he has. It doesn't feel that way. And so Chris Broussard was just trying to stoke this fire. And I don't know if you saw. So, you know, Kevin Durant shot back at him and was like, bro, you're just looking for a story. Basically, we never talk, blah, blah, blah. And it turns into this whole firestorm thing. But I don't know if you saw this. Andre Iguodala commented on that, too, was like, bro, don't listen to these fucking guys like these guys are idiots or, you know, some variation of that. Yeah, I think that's the locker room they have. And I don't think that people want to admit that because golden state is painted as these villains and i get i get that but at the same time i just don't see any way that uh, when you think about like what kd wants i think that's what it's going to come down to right i mean as far as like what do, do you really think how big do you think the legacy thing is well i mean you did mention how he wanted to get out of the spotlight and play the pretty basketball well I mean, there's not a better place to be out of the spotlight than Oklahoma City. No one gives a crap. But he I was mean, in the spotlight. That was the fa- he was the face of the franchise. It was his team. The, the thing about Golden State is that will always be Steph's team, no matter what happens. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you. But when you're winning championships, you're certainly in the spotlight as well. Sure. Um, and I, I guess it's been weird because, I mean, they've dominated, obviously, basketball the last four or five seasons. In, in no other sport do you hear about this much drama about players potentially wanting to leave. I mean, it seems like we've had a lot to do about nothing. And so I don't know if that's more about the media trying to make up stories, but no one's left there that Golden State has wanted to have, you know, stay. I mean, the KD could, would be the first guy to leave that, you know, is currently on the roster sure. that I would say, you know, obviously you want him to stay. Sure. Um, I don't think the Knicks are necessarily the leading team for that either, though. They're not. They're not even close. I think that it goes Clippers. I think it goes, let's see. So Clippers, probably Golden. No, probably. It's going to be some variation of like the Clippers, the Raptors, and maybe even like the Sixers, something like that. I could see the Sixers. But ultimately, the thing is about the Knicks, man, so what? Ha- so let me run a couple of scenarios down for you. So number okay. one, what happens if? So let's just assume he sits out for the rest of the finals here. Let's just let's just say that happens. I don't think that happens. I think he's actually going to be ready to go in game two. That's just what okay. my prediction is. I think that they're going to wait and see how game one goes, see what they're dealing with. I think they looked at Portland when they drew them in the next round and looked at KD and said, "Brother, take your time. Take oh, your for time. Sure. And no rush there." And so see what they've got in Toronto in the first game. And I think if they go in the hole 0-1, he'll definitely be back. But I think if they go up 2-0, I think there's a chance he doesn't come back. And if that's the case, let's just assume that's the case. If he goes to New York and is the guy, and their pitch, remember, is Kevin Knox and a bunch of nobodies around him. <laughs> if he go- Oh, uh, the other team I was thinking of earlier is Brooklyn as well, by the way, to add to that list of t- potential teams I think he could end up with. Okay. Brooklyn yeah, Clippers. Yeah. Um, but say he goes to New York and let's let's just say that it's him and another superstar. For let's just say he gets Kyrie. I don't know. They probably go to the Eastern Conference, at least the semifinals. I don't know if they go to the finals. It'll just depend on what the rest of the East looks like at that point. But if they what happens it to his legacy if they keep winning at Golden State, he leaves and has a little a season like LeBron this season. Well, I think that's two different scenarios. Uh, No, I don't think it is at all. What happens if he goes to New York and has an absolutely abysmal first season? How are people going to look at that the first year in New York? Yeah, and that's actually an interesting point because, yeah, LeBron has done this where he went to L.A., you know, obviously for reasons other than basketball, and it went horribly, and I would think that same thing actually probably would happen if he does go to the Knicks. I agree. I don't think I mean, that all of a sudden makes them a contender against 
the Sixers and, you know, potential, depending on what the Celtics end up doing. I mean, there's a lot of good basketball talent still in the East. I don't know if that yeah. necessarily makes them a contender. So what happens if Golden State goes on to win, say, three or four more rings? Let's just let's just wildly speculate here. I'm not saying sure. I think that'll happen. Let's say they go on to win four more rings. He never makes it out of the Eastern Conference to go to the finals. That hurts his reputation way worse than staying, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it goes, well, you went there, you won the rings, but they would have probably done it, and I would probably agree, more than likely would have done it with or without them. Either way, these past couple, I mean, being that Katie was there or not, probably did not affect the outcome of their championships. Right. So then also, what happens if, what happens if, like, um, he ends up going to the Clippers, for instance, sure. and they just run absolute dominance over the whole thing because they have space. If they trade that uh, Gallinari contract, they have two max spaces. They could sign Kawhi and Kevin Durant this summer if they wanted to. Well, they got, to your point, money to spend. They got some picks coming in. Coaching. A good coach. Good coach. Good owner. Decent young talent. I mean, they have pieces that you can really, you know, move around to create the team that you're wanting to. And yeah, I think the Clippers are a great fit. And I think LeBron's move to, to the West Coast, to LA, has made it more attractive. With the Golden State Warriors dominance, with LeBron being out there, the players like the ocean, it's always been the factor. Players love East and West Coast. I mean, they just get attracted to it. They can get by the water. For whatever reason, it's the way it is. I don't think that's the, true anymore, actually. Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, it the if Lakers it's have not been true, real- then explain to me how how the Mavericks, who have no state tax, can't sign anyone. The Mavericks I mean, don't why plan- are these players willing to give up 30-plus more percent in difference between one state to another? Because the Mavericks are willing to walk into a room and say, we've got Dirk, that's all we've got. They're not willing <laughs> to look at the bigger picture and see that guys want to go to organizations that have a plan to win. That's why Pop has been so successful over the years is because San Antonio always has a plan. And they always follow that plan, no matter what happens. That's why Pop doesn't stay up all night, the night of free agency, trying to worry about tracking down players because he knows LMA was a great great example of this. He knows that LaMarcus Aldridge would work perfectly in his system and that he'll meet with him. He did, and it was the perfect fit. And I think yeah. it's exactly what we talk about with the Patriots and any other dynasty-type organization is that if you follow the process and you don't make stupid, irrational moves, it's not that hard. But at the same time, teams make this so difficult, man. They really do. And I think that uh, the Lakers for the last 10 years are a great example of a team that have tried to rely on Hollywood selling the fact that the players should play there, and they've had no success whatsoever with that. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting, but I do think the Clippers are a great fit for KD. I think that another you know top echelon guy would be interested in going there a lot more than the Knicks I just think the Knicks are going to be bad for a while I mean that just that franchise is not trending in the right direction and they don't have anyone on the horizon that makes you feel good they have never trended in the right direction never like I don't know why people think like I've talked to like buddies of mine that are you know New York through and through guys and they're talking about like it's done I mean they are so sure but I think back to like the decision in 2010 when all that was going on. The Knicks were a pretty good contender at that point. People don't remember that as much because it just comes down yeah. to the Miami and Cleveland part of it. But the Knicks were a big, you know, were in big competition for him. And that's exact. Yeah. I guarantee you, I would have heard the exact same things at that point in time. Yeah, he's setting up a cot underneath the scoreboard. LeBron's going to be here, and he wasn't. Oh know? yeah, and then you get people buying into. Oh well, he's got a house in L.A. or New York. A lot of these guys with hundreds of millions of dollars have houses in New York and L.A. and Florida and other (laughs) main main cities like that's not a that doesn't do anything to my needle for where they're going. That's all my point is, is I don't think that does as much as it, it does anymore. And I just so when I think about this Kevin Durant thing, I just I just don't buy what the Knicks are selling. And I just I think at some point James Dolan walks in that room and that's where it all goes south. I just. I can't get past that. Maybe if they schedule it on a week, he's on vacation. I don't know, but uh, I <laughs> they just trick him into. But then it turns out even worse when guys go to these bad fits, and then they're there a year, and it's not going. You know, then it turns into a whole mellow situation. It's so just, 
that was my next question for you. So say that KD goes there and it kind of plays out like Melo's career did. I mean, he's a laughing stock now. Yeah, I mean, what a weird turn of events. I mean, just elite player in Denver. You know, Denver pulls the trigger on that trade, and everyone's like, "What a you know, why would you do that?" So, I don't think KD's on that same level because KD no. does play defense. Yeah, he's certainly and, a better player than yeah Mello. But I'm just saying that can happen, and that's that's what I just feel like everybody's caught up in the emotion of it and how he reacts on Twitter to people making fun of him. The thing is, athletes do that shit all the time. They're just smart enough not to get caught. He's not. Yeah, he's not. No, I. I would agree. And so I, I think he's looking to stay in the state of California. I just don't know which team ends up, uh, you know, get, getting his uh, his services for the next few years. But it well, also wouldn't shock me for KD just to sign another one year in Golden State and just say, hey, I don't know what I want to do. Let's just run this thing back for another year, just like I think DeMarcus Cousins does, takes the minimum and, and moves ahead. Yeah, or if you have something like, okay, well, now me and AD are free agents. We're going to make a move. This is what we're doing. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right. too. So, I mean, you yeah. have the Anthony Davis thing to con- consider into this whole equation as well. And I, I just think that we get everybody's caught up in the emotions and him firing back at people and doing all this stuff. And ultimately, I it just you have to think that a guy's not going to take himself out of a the best situation of all time and throw himself into a bad situation just to try to prove a point. I just don't think that makes a lot of sense. I really don't. I mean, I understand it's I mean, it's not like humans always act emotional or, you know, rationally when it comes to emotions, but I I just got to think that you got enough smart people around you to try to help you avoid some pitfall like that. Yeah, I think he's got a good camp and to your point, I don't think he'll go to that worst situation which is the Knicks, but it's I a do lot of think teams. It, it's not just the Knicks either. Right, but I, it it's going to be very interesting to see how this finals plays out. Whether he is or is not on the team, or you know, healthy enough to play, and the reaction from that, because you know, the NBA draft and free agency is a pretty quick turnaround in the NBA it compared is. to, I would say, most sports for sure. So you know, whether you want to say it or not, the recency of what happens in this event definitely could affect, you know, his his action more than maybe it should oh it definitely does i remember you texting me it was like uh in round or game one of the portland series i think it was and you're like why is everybody ragging on golden state and calling them underdogs and i was like recency bias i don't know that's probably it that's what it seems like and that's typically what it is right people hopping on this portland bandwagon people thinking oh katie's hurt i mean it's unbelievable how quickly people will write off players and teams. Well, right. And it's like <laughs> they won a ring before KD got there, believe it or not. And it was actually, you know, and they were one and one at that point without him there, but they were still damn good. I mean, they were one tipped basket away from having another one. So right. I just think whenever you look at like the way that they play basketball, and we were talking about how like that's really pretty gorgeous basketball because it's ball movement. It's, you know, it's everybody being in their places and knowing what their role is and finding ways to create. When you yep. look at this team, I mean, you got guys like Draymond who are just showing out in this series, these series without KD there, and it's simply because you got all of a sudden got, you know, a top ten player of all time standing there in the key. You feed him the ball, and that's just, you know, when you typically kick it out to Steph for a three instead of taking the jump jump or two, I mean, it it works because he's the best, the top ten player of all time. But I mean, it doesn't have to work. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. But it, it's fun to appreciate the greatness of this Warriors team. Uh, we haven't seen anything, to your point, this pure, just beautiful passing. It, it just, they do everything right. And it's tough to find that in a team year after year, that consistency. So it's been enjoyable from a fan standpoint, that's for sure. So another free agent thing that I've been watching real closely is just kind of what the Celtics are obviously going to end up doing. I, I don't know if that's really surprising to anybody that I'm keeping an eye on that. But ultimately, I feel like Kyrie, I still think there's a good chance he's back. It just depends on what they decide to do. And we've already talked on this show at, at nauseum about how to fix the Celtics. But I think when it comes to Kyrie specifically, one thing that I've heard that I, I feel like is really intriguing, I've heard two main things. I've heard the Lakers, which you're always going to hear those rumors, which we'll talk. We got to hit on this magic thing here in just a second. because I want to hear your thoughts on that. Sure, but the Lakers are up there, which I could see. That would make a lot of sense. I, it feels like that's just kind of running back the the Cleveland situation, but I could be wrong. 
but the other thing that I think makes a lot of sense is Brooklyn. And I've heard that Brooklyn feels like they could make a D'Angelo and Kyrie backcourt work really well. And I don't hate that, man. I really don't. It'd be interesting, and I think you've seen now in today's NBA that two guard, whether you know they are both point guards able to play off each other because they both have to be such pure scorers anyway. Yeah, you know now positionless you can't basketball. Have like a, a Jason kid type who's just you know a facilitator. Right. I mean, you got to be able to do something on that other side. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I I definitely do agree that Kyrie going back to Boston does make sense. It wasn't the perfect ending. But I think him and Brad Stevens maybe had more of a back, you know, a push pull than they let on. Um, but nothing could solve that quicker than finding a way to bring in Anthony Davis, and then you're going to Kyrie like, "Hey, man, you got yeah. Anthony Davis coming in here. Like, what, what do you think?" And he's going, "Yeah, let's do it." I mean, so, they've got they've got the necessities to make that happen. What do you do. think? What so if you're the Pelicans, this is kind of on a different topic. I feel like the the Celtics are probably the first team you call. When trying to make a deal for Anthony Davis, am I wrong? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that. Again, I, I just tough because now that they own the number one pick, obviously that's something you would covet if you're moving Anthony Davis. I mean, if I'm them, I'm looking for at least someone else again in that top five area for them to uh, dive into. And obviously, Boston doesn't have that, but Boston they do have, have that. Some- <laughs> They've got two players that are two years pl- proven into the league that equate to that, if not more so. Oh, absolutely. They definitely have some top young talent, but then how does that play with Zion and, you know, you resigning those guys? You don't want to end up, you know, bringing in someone that's going to leave in a year or two, obviously, as well. Sure. So uh, it's a it's a delicate situation that we haven't heard a lot about lately, which is kind of interesting. Uh, it's been kind of quiet. So, I'm not sure if there's something going on behind the scenes, but it's tough to see these guys leave a lot of money on the table like Anthony Davis is willing to do just to get out of there. It's incredible. I've been saying it for months, though, man. I just think that it's going to take a lot less to get this deal done than people think. And I, I honestly, man, I'd probably give up Tatum and a pick, maybe two picks if they take. I mean, you're only paying for one year of Anthony Davis. I think that's what people just don't wrap their head around is it's one guaranteed year and that's it and it may work out to where he'll sign an extension but i mean is that guy's word worth anything at this point i don't think so no and i agree you only got one it's a total rental guy and so to your point i think a a first round pick that's maybe in the top 10 would be almost enough to get it done because what else this isn't like major league baseball where you if you have a top guy leave you get two compensation picks Right. You know, the sandwich pick in the first round. And then, so th- this is different than some sports. And even the NFL, you can get up to a third rounder and the compensation. Uh, I think NHL has some form of a similar, but <laughs> you'd never see these issues in the NHL. So it's really the only sport where you deal with no compensation coming back for your, you know, a top player leaving, um, which is why I think. You know, if someone's offering a top 10 pick, uh, at the end of the day, New Orleans may have to just listen and take that. Yeah, I mean, I get that. But I also think, I mean, Boston's got 14, 20, 22, and 51. So they could essentially give up. What would you give up? Probably like, so let's say Jason Tatum and maybe like 14. That would I get would that try to, I'd try to give up two of the three first rounders. I don't hate that. I don't think either team hates that. You're, you, Boston doesn't need to add t- people to this roster. They need to get rid of people on this roster. Well, I don't disagree with you, but again, that's to the point. Of New Orleans, if you're trading Anthony Davis, bringing in Zion, you're starting young and fresh, so you're not really interested in bringing in, you know, guys that aren't, you know, that you're not going to have control over. That's going to leave you cap room availability. So, I just think it would make more sense on New Orleans side to bring in you know, two top draft picks like that. If you're saying 14 and 22, let's for, for Anthony Davis. And now I've, you know, I've got some ammunition. Now I got three first round picks as a new Orleans fan. You know, you really can, uh, you know, take some stabs and maybe package those up and something else move up in the draft if you're them. But I don't think you're going to find a better deal than two, two first rounders for Anthony Davis. Yeah, man, that makes a lot of sense. I, I just feel like everybody thinks it's going to take 
a treasure trove to get this done. And I just don't think it is. Without a guarantee of a contract extension, it won't. No. Yeah, for sure. Now, if you were talking about a guarantee, now that's a different story. But I just, I think that, I mean, the Lakers offered their whole team, but that team kind of stunk. So I don't know if that really, you know, matters. Now, another uh, trade that I've been thinking about that would probably do both teams a lot of good is moving Chris Paul for like to the Lakers, maybe something like that. I actually wouldn't even hate that to the Celtics. I've said that before. You'd have to take Hay- you'd have to swap him and Hayward, but I don't know, man. I feel like Houston's got to get rid of Chris Paul in some way, shape, or form and get a real guard, true guard in there. Well, they got to get rid of someone that's old. I mean, they got him, PJ Tucker. I mean, I think you and I a couple weeks ago during this play their their playoff run looked at you know that roster in like 2020. It's gonna have about 80 percent of the money committed to three dudes who are gonna guys. be yeah. Very old, so it's a problem. I agree with you. I, and to the same point of Portland, you can't just keep running it back if you're Houston. Right. It doesn't work. You you can't beat the Warriors in this current fashion. So you resign Clint Capella, you resign PJ Tucker, Chris Paul. It didn't work. So at some point, you you need to change this up. I'm not sure how, uh, but I think to your point, starting with moving Chris Paul to the Lakers. I'm not sure even what you get back there. It's probably not much, to be honest, with yeah, the Supermax and the amount of injuries that he kind of dealt with this year. Uh, if I'm the Lakers, I'm ha- you know I'm looking to take it on with LeBron, but I'm probably not giving up much. I agree with that. So as far as free agency goes as well, what do you see happening with Kawhi at this point? I mean, do you think his chances of staying in Toronto are pretty high? I think they're 100%. I, really? I, I don't think he moves in its... That's a take. And it's everything to do with this run. I mean, I think he's definitely feels more connected um, with this franchise and team, seeing that he can win. I know, I think the biggest part, obviously, with last year's demands of him getting moved, he wasn't really, obviously, the injury issue that he had with the medical staff. But I think it was a bigger fact of him just not trusting the franchise's direction overall. Uh, And, I can't necessarily disagree. It's not really a roster that I'm in love with moving forward the next couple of years. Um, I mean, I don't know why you, uh, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I don't know why you doubt pop really. And truly he just signed a three year. I mean, it's not that I doubt pop, but I mean, at the end of the day in the NBA, it's hard to, you know, bring in top tier talent just through free agency, especially in San Antonio. I agree, I mean, but they've got a very young team at this point. So I wouldn't rule them out doing some bigger moves in the coming couple of summers to bring in some real big stalwarts just like they did with LMA. They were the biggest dark horse of all. Everybody thought that he was going to re-sign in Portland and he didn't even consider it really when it came down to at, at, when it came down to it after having met with Pop. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't disagree. I just, I don't think that Kawhi could see that vision. I'm not saying I disagree with him. I'm just saying I, I can understand why Kawhi didn't necessarily want to spend the rest of his life there. So you sit um, out a season of your prime? I just that's just such a weird thing to me, man. I, I I'm with you. I, I think there's a good chance he stays in Toronto. I would not say 100 percent though. I think it's going to be hard uh, to compete with teams like the Clippers this summer that really like feel like he's the missing piece to make it happen. And I, I can't really get over that. And I can't. I just think that that leaves the door open. I don't think that that is what happens necessarily, but I definitely think it keeps that door cracked. Yeah, I mean, of course he's gonna he's gonna go on tour. I mean, if any if billionaires are gonna buy you free steak dinners, you gotta take them. I mean, so I'd go take any meeting possible. I'm not a. I am certainly not gonna disagree with him on that front. But have you seen I all the things that places in Toronto are offering for him to stay? What? So they like there's been places that offered him like a free penthouse downtown for life. There are like over fifty restaurants that have offered him like you know food for life free here if you stay and. Dude, that's that's almost worth it alone, right? That's something you got to consider. You got to <laughs> right? definitely look into that. I mean, you can't just ignore that. That's amazing. I mean, um, weed well, is hey, legal there him. in in Canada. You know, everything is there, man. You you're in good shape there. I think if you're Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I, I mean, the town loves them. They obviously have the team that can win. That team is really built too. I mean, you don't have to bring too much more in uh, to continue to be top in the East with the way it's currently structured either. So. Uh, I mean, if Kawhi's going, hey, I'm staying, I mean, I bet he's got some recruiting tactics, too, where he can probably help bring in, you know, maybe a partner in crime there. But <laughs> no. I, I do like what they've done in that roster. Um, 
I'll be interested to see who he entertains. I think the Clippers definitely are that a team that is looking to add, you know, Kawhi KD. But uh, I kind of feel like Kawhi might uh, be interested in staying. We'll see. Go watch like five interviews in a row of Kawhi and tell me that you think he could recruit any player to any franchise ever. I just don't see that him being him. I really don't. And that's okay. Derrick Rose was like that. He just wasn't one of those guys. And that's cool. But Well, hey, it's better than having a great recruiter like Chandler Parsons who can't play basketball. Oh, so. my God. I mean, you want to talk about the Dallas thing. I mean, that was a, you know, we were talking about how they can't s- seem to sign free agents and all that. I mean, you want to talk about building around old dirt, glass knees, Parsons, and a torn Achilles. Uh, West Matthews. West Matthews at the time. I mean, that's why you can't land free agents because of things like that. Because you make boneheaded decisions like moving down past Giannis onto Tacumpo to Kelly Olenek to save $200,000 in payroll to be able to sign Dwight Howard, which didn't happen for you anyway. Those are the kinds of reasons they can't sign free agents. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you. So I think that they're in a much better state now where they have a young core to build around and they can make the pitch that the Clippers are making right this second, maybe in a couple of years from now for Dallas, but the Clippers are going to be able to make that pitch if we've got a completely young team that's growing. We've got Doc Rivers. We've got ownership that's supportive and willing to spend money. And there's a ton of upside to being the superstar there. It could be your team. That's pretty great. I, I completely agree. It's a great fit. So and I definitely think Kawhi will be very interested. I just think when you're able to have the success that they are having and they somehow are able to compete with Golden State, um, it'd be very intriguing to see how he feels. Either way, the trade was worth it for Toronto. No I mean, da- you're getting to an NBA Finals. No doubt they, about it. You won this trade 100%. They you, won this trade this a while back. But, yes, agreed. Strong agree. So, Even if it's, yeah. Yeah, so let me ask you this now. Um, how are you feeling about the Lakers this summer, given the events that have transpired with Magic going on first take this past week and all that stuff? I mean, we've we've gone a little bit into Magic and his antics, and I don't know what – I mean, his first comment after quitting is just saying – you know, I want to get back to being magic, you know, just being magic, not the Lakers GM or, you know, I just want to be magic. I mean, the guy is just a complete head case. Yeah. Um, but I mean, him talking this week about how Polinka sabotaged him and all that stuff. I mean, oh, I, I just, I, man, I, what it comes back to is this for me. I feel like this organization, I, I feel like Genie Bus is a bad owner. And yep. that's what it comes down to because. You, you, we've seen this a million times with bad owners. There are so many people that are that could be great owners and do great things for the sport that just don't know enough about it to be able to be successful. Michael Jordan's one of those people where he can look at a team and say, why can't you be good? But he can't articulate how you do that. Right. And that's the problem that owners run into. That's why James Dolan has run the Knicks into the ground repeatedly over the years because I think he legitimately tries to make the right hires. He just hires all the wrong people to try to run your front his front office. And I think that's the difference between a good and a bad ownership when it comes down to it. And I, I feel like with the Lakers, you have Jeannie Buss who doesn't really know anything about it. You've got the brothers who were all power hungry over the last couple of years. You look at the past 10 years, all the blunders they've made, all the bad signings they've had, I mean... They've had no success whatsoever in these areas. And they're, they're, the, the thing that always blows my mind, they're the slowest organization in basketball to adopt to basketball analytics and what the future of basketball is telling you. And whether you like statistics and analytics and all that shit or not, that's what the future is. It happened to right. baseball. It's coming to basketball. Right. And I just think that by making all these terrible hires... I mean, I don't. I mean, Frank Vogel's a fine coach, but you hired Jason Kidd right behind him, who's probably going to be the coach by December, right? Oh, for sure. And the Lakers are still living in an era where they think people just want to come there because they're the Lakers, right? And we're so far from that in today's NBA. So and I think far. to your point, they're just stuck in the past. Yeah, and I think like. Man, it's it's little blunders like this. Like, let's talk about Rob Polinka for a second. Also, looks like Rob Lowe, <laughs> and I don't think that helps his case. No, but he was essentially Kobe's agent, right? And he was, I think, he had like Carlos Boozer and a couple other like clients like that, but nobody else on the magnitude, like at the magnitude of Kobe Bryant, right? And, and I think that 
he pissed off so many people in the league. I mean, people don't like to talk about it. I mean, Kobe demanded a, tr- a trade to the Clippers and the Bulls at different times. <laughs> he did. He That's sure as fuck did. And people don't like to talk about Kobe being Bryant and those kinds of lights, but I don't have any problem with it. I'll slander his name all day long. But I think that Rob Polinka pissed off people when he was an agent, and which makes them not want to do business with the Lakers. And if you're the Lakers, how do you not know that? Oh, absolutely. That's crazy to me. Again, Genie Bus is, I mean, and to no fault, just, I mean, obviously got thrust into this situation, but, and there's not a lot of training, obviously, to be an NBA owner. There's no, you know, there's no program that can get you ready to do this, but certainly hiring the right people and surrounding yourself and the Bus family, again, I think they're, almost living off their name and reputation in living in, you know, the Phil Jackson days with the, I mean, it's just not where they're at anymore. Yeah. You don't have that. And so they have no idea how to assemble a team from top to bottom and they're continue to hire the wrong people and almost take step backwards. And, and they're almost, and it totally seems like LeBron's running way more than we probably even know. I don't know that he even is, though. I don't think that he cares, and I think that's part of the problem. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say because I think, like, if you had them, we were talking about this the other day, I think, if you had them winding up with the number one pick, would would LeBron make them trade that pick? Probably, yeah. For I mean, Zion. He'd probably, he'd probably go, oh, great, we can get Anthony Davis now. <sighs> Dude. That's so so short sighted. That's, I mean, I, I know you wouldn't do it either, but it, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I just think that's Dan Gilbert just came out and said that LeBron had wrecked the franchise twice, and they didn't make that same mistake the second time. Yeah, he brought him a championship, it, which was great, but you know, yeah, it's tough to say LeBron doesn't care because he's such a great player, and you don't become that good without caring. Sure, but obviously, him moving to LA has had alternative. Uh, or there's been benefits to him outside of basketball. Um, that's obviously included, you know, yeah, uh, a career outside of basketball. So I'm just, I'm not a fan of what they're doing. It's not going to end well for anyone. And then bringing in Chris Paul would make so much sense. So then we can just see, you know, older NBA stars completely age. And, you know, when they only play 40 to 50 games in the season, we're watching, you know, Josh Hart jack up 30 shots a night just for fun. Right. You know, who else? Because why not? Yeah. Who else is going to do it? Exactly. And I think that is essentially the worst part about what's going on there. And I think that the, the problem ends up being that they're just playing themselves out before they've even started. And they're, they're just playing from behind constantly. I don't see any scenario where they put enough things together this summer to make them the topic of conversation enough to where it doesn't soil LeBron's legacy. And if he has another year like this past one, that starts to hurt him badly. And that that's exactly why I, we were talking about the KD thing earlier and why I don't think he goes somewhere that's going to be completely inept like that. Because just at the end of the day, man, those things hurt your legacy if you're not careful. Yeah, I mean, I LeBron has cemented himself. I'm not really... I mean, you'd have to do a lot over these last couple of years to really ruin that. Uh, no, agreed. But it starts to look worse and worse, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help you either, though. I mean, it doesn't help the you versus MJ conversation. But I mean, is yeah. it not crazy that people you look around the league and people say, no, nah, I don't really want to play with LeBron James? Like, that's well, crazy. Not, <laughs> but, but not at this point. I, would you? I mean, no, I don't blame them at all. But it's crazy that we're there. Yeah, but I, I think to your point, they'll bring in someone. Now Now they have the fourth overall pick. That's enough ammunition to bring in someone to help get them at least to the playoffs. And really, the NBA only cares. Great. If we can just get LeBron back in the playoffs, that will help us out. So I just think uh, that it's even with the number four pick, they're almost certainly going to trade that. I, yeah, the, there's no one there that you're that's transformational enough that you keep it but it's enough where you can go get a, a nice piece. But see, this is the problem that teams make in the traps they fall into is this exact spot right here where you're trying to trade to number four. We saw it in the NFL a couple of years ago with Mitch Trubisky where the Bears just traded up an absurd amount for a quarterback that was absolutely going to be there when they were at like 14. You know, and it just teams outsmart themselves. They outthink themselves. And it just, 
you know, especially in a year like this one in the NBA where the draft is so thin on talent. Some team is going to do that. I guarantee it. Yeah, I, I mean, to your point, it's just teams overthinking and making it harder on themselves. That's all we're seeing. No doubt about it. All right, well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. This has been very NBA heavy, but by the time we get back next week, we'll have had NHL playoffs going on. Do we have like 67 days till football, till the All-American game, something like that? Hall oh, game? yeah, preseason, man, is coming right around the corner, and we, we'll we definitely have a an NFL special breakdown. We'll get full predictions going into the season so we can uh, certainly reference how right we were after the season ends. Absolutely. I'm going to have to do a deep dive in just what everybody adds and all that stuff just to make sure I've got everything uh, squared up, but I can't wait to do that. That's going to be a blast. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll be a great time. All right, man, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. We'll see you guys next week.